Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today I'm pretty excited because we are sharing episodes with our sister podcast, our brother podcast, the Digital Marketer Podcast. Uh, with my good buddy Mark, and he is uh, doing an interview today all about e-commerce, which is definitely great on the heels of some of the recent shows that we've done here, especially on the Google side, where we talk about Google shopping, e-commerce in particular, setting up your Google campaigns. But this interview is with uh, Lauren Petrullo. So uh, stay tuned for that coming up next. Before we get to that, I do want to give you a nugget, though. On the e-commerce side of the equation, coming back to Google, this is actually from our Google team, our awesome Google team headed up by Nick Miller, the mighty Nick. He's getting uh, a 10x return on ad spend on this particular new customer account uh, that we've been managing for the last 90 days or so. And it was not a, a little tip or trick or some kind of performance max thing that we did to get their return on ad spend up to 10x and get them to increase their sales by 20% just in the time that we've been working with them. It's something that I think a lot of people forget about. And I think Lauren and Mark even talk about this on today's show. It's managing your product feeds and the critical importance of how that can really affect not only your Facebook ads, we've talked about this many times on the show before, but also, and most importantly, if you're just managing your Google side, your Google shopping and your product feed on Google is extremely important to manage it correctly. Now, what do I mean when I say manage it correctly? Well, it's important to do a couple of basic things, which is to have uh, subcategories or product categories, also have images. Also make sure that your product names are not all capitalized. That's something that is a little tidbit that if you do have that, you might get penalized by Google. And if you don't have any images, that's another thing. Like these are just basic things. I and mean, I think we've talked about it here on the show, the importance of lifestyle images and the image itself in the product feed is super important. But just having an image, and in this particular case, in this customer, they have 56,000 products, 56,000 56, SKUs. So it's a lot to manage. So they do have a third-party software platform that does manage their product feed. So when they when they came to us, and this is the nugget here, is that they really didn't have much in the way of organization. They couldn't really scale as a result of that. So what we did is we ranked all their products by volume and revenue. I would also suggest that you might do this if you're an e-commerce store. Do it by best sellers, but also the ones that you make the most profit on whether that's net operating income or gross profitability, your best margin products that sell the most. So if you have thousands of SKUs, this is going to be something 
which is going to take some time, but you don't necessarily have to do it on all thousands of your SKUs. You can just sort of pick the ones with the highest volume or the categories or the ones that sell with the most volume and the most revenue. And a third metric, you might want to look at profitability as well. So that's what we did here. So we, in essence, created this categorization system through their feed, through the third-party tool, and subcategorized all their individual products. Now, in this particular case, they sell motor vehicle accessories. So there is a lot of subcategories. So for example, an example of this nomenclature, this, this system that we did just in their top sellers was vehicles and parts, then vehicles, parts, and accessories, motor vehicle parts, motor vehicle wheel systems, motor vehicle tires, and maybe motorcycle tires. Like for example, that would be sort of a a broad category all the way down to a very specific category, taking their best sellers. So in this particular case, uh, motorcycle tires were definitely one of the higher volume ones. And all we did is just create a nomenclature inside the uh, product category itself. And this was really the key to scale. And it's the first step that we've now taken. And we'll be doing this on all the other products and categories that they do sell. So it's a big job. What we noticed is as soon as we started to use this categorization system, Shopify stores sales started to increase. And in fact, they have increased over 20%. And they've now got an over, over a $40,000 in new revenue, but we've only spent an additional 16K more. So that's a pretty good return on ad spend, all just due to this categorization. I think it does get lost in the mix sometimes. If you're an e-commerce store, if you're not doing this at the very least, the product feed does get it's sort of like the ugly uh, stepchild sometimes. It's everyone's focused on the front end ads and how you can acquire new customers there. But as a part of not only new customer acquisition, but also retargeting, these subcategories become incredibly important for really excellent retargeting, definitely using dynamic product ads on Facebook and uh, obviously using Google Shopping on the Google network. So uh, just that alone has been a real game changer. And I think it weaves in well with today's episode with Mark and Lauren. So uh, let's get into that episode. Hopefully that nugget was helpful for all you e-commerce stories out there. Let's get into uh, today's episode with Mark and Lauren right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley 
and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Welcome to the Digital Market Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. We have Lauren Petrullo, one of our newest faculty members for Digital Market Academy. We actually just got out of shooting the e-commerce certification update, and she's probably tired at this point. How are you, Lauren? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you, Mark. Not too tired. Not too tired. <laughs> you provided me with an ample number of marsh snacks. It was Scotch Mallows. Scotch Mallows. Scotch Mallows, your new favorite chocolate. Absolutely. Yes. If you do need a boost during a eight hour or 10 hour video shoot, we're going to recommend Scotch Mallows from now on. See sponsorship. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you covered a ton of topics during the shoot, specifically if, if nobody knows where e commerce certification is. Basically, we go through everything you need to know for launch your e-commerce store using a lot of the strategies that we have developed at Digital Marketer over 12 years of working with 100,000 plus businesses. So this latest update actually includes a huge new component, which is social selling. Yeah, which I do. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is uh, social selling using, you know, whatever platforms you recommend? Sure. So the idea of selling on social and using social commerce, the intersection of social media and commerce allows the end user who's active on social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram to buy in-app and never have to venture off of the platform to someone else's website that may or may not be optimized for their purchase. That makes sense. And it's less steps, right? Oh, a lot less steps. More conversational Mm. selling. Um, It's a chance for you to connect with other users that like those products, see user-generated content in a more native-friendly way. It's the word-of-mouth way of selling in a digital landscape. Makes sense. You know, for me, I, I did have a website development firm, so I was always using Shopify, WooCommerce, and I'd always tell people when they asked about social selling, like, should I have an Instagram store or a Facebook store? I'd be like, no, why would you give them more money when you get you get the data? You get you know more money because you're not paying them for the sale and you are have control over the content. That was always my argument. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to... I'll be the devil's advocate here. Why should people have a social store versus or in addition to a, you know, website? I would definitely say it's in addition to because you need your website to be your source of catalog and your source of truth because all the transactions take place on the website gated through the social media platform Mm -hmm. where your shopping sits. But the reason why you want to expand your e-commerce site off of the dot com and into the Instagram shop, the Facebook shop or whatever avenue that it's located is because you're meeting the consumer where they're shopping. Mm. When they're on Instagram and they're scrolling through their feeds, looking at Coachella photos, they're admiring all these amazing 
conference costumes and they're like, oh, I'm ready to get that for next year. And so they're in this inspirational, aspirational feed scrolling and have the chance to just do one click and buy like they do on Amazon. But on Amazon, you have to know what you're looking for and you search, whereas on Instagram, you're constantly browsing and consuming content that you like. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, is it a ton more work? Because that was always my hesitation, even when I was running social media for sure. people, where it was like, I got to do another store, manage another catalog, and so on and so forth. The amount of work you can put in varies from five minutes to a full-time job. It's all the how much resources and time you want to commit to it. We have a great resource sheet in the e-commerce cert that will really help you identify if it makes sense for you to invest five minutes or five hours or a, you know, five figure a year salary for someone who's looking to expand their shops. But at minimum, the five minutes of making sure that your catalog feed is set up for your shop and doing the set it and forget it method still yields dividends and the additional organic exposure you get, like having some of your products recommended on your friend's birthdays, Mm. having products accessible for new users, even non-followers to add to their wish list or potentially buy. Now, I would recommend going closer to that five-hour range because we have seen time and time again with our clients where we invest less than four hours that have maximum impact, including some of our clients making over $50,000 a year in new sales from their Instagram shops. That's awesome. Now, how does Instagram or Facebook or any of the other uh, kind of social platforms compare to, say, Amazon? Because, you know, that's always the debate where you have Amazon versus having a website. Yeah. Or both or... Yeah, well, Amazon is an environment that's continuously evolving in a way that's not as beneficial for the shop owner. Fees keep increasing. When you're on Amazon, you're paying for ads, you're paying on storage of your products, you're paying for fulfillment, you're paying for everything in between. And your margins are often much smaller on your Amazon space. You talked about fees earlier. Yeah. For meta shops, Facebook and Instagram, there are the 5% fee that they get, which is waived till the end of the year for US shops. But in its place, what you do get is data that is visible. On Amazon, you don't know who your customers are unless you have a product insert or some sort of marketing strategy that gets them to connect with your brand directly. You get that with MetaShops because they're purchasing using your website. So you have that purchaser's data. Maybe they're subscribed, maybe not. It depends on how they've set up their checkout process. But you also get to see first-party data that belongs to Meta that you can optimize in your ads moving forward. Yes, you can use Amazon data to optimize your ads for the purchase, but you don't have as much pre-purchase data that you can use or opportunities to cross-sell and upsell. It's just a much more mature social media commerce experience. While right now, Amazon specifically is dominating in the number of transactions and conversion value in the West. But if you compare how much time people are spending on social media and staying in platform, it dwarfs in comparison to Amazon. So it's more of a holistic, cohesive, let me see what I'm looking to buy versus I'm going to go in, go out. It's like going to the store, like, you know, your wife, if she loves Target, you're like, all right, I'm staying in the car. I'm not turning the car off. You must go in and out of Target because Target's a dangerous place to shop mm-hmm. for a lot of moms. Instagram is a dangerous place to browse. Yeah, that, that makes total sense because I think that now I get ads on Instagram and TikTok and a few other platforms where I'm like, 
I don't know how you know I want this <laughs> or that I've bought it before, yeah. but this is great. And I don't, I'm not even, cause that, you know, so many people get offended by the ads. Like, how dare you pitch me on this thing that I might want? And you're like, well, you know, but I've opted into everything because I'm a marketer. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. It's like in that 5% of people in the post iOS apocalypse world yeah. that did opt in were all marketers trying to advocate, please opt like, in. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's interesting because you're right, where it's like, yeah, when I want, want something to buy, like I'm like, oh, I need some new t-shirts. Like, yeah, I'll go to Amazon and get the cheapest black shirts I can because that's what I wear. And I wouldn't do that necessarily if I'm just browsing on social media and be like, I need black t-shirts right now. But if I saw the ads, which somehow target me all the time, then I will instantly go into the, the shop. Well, it's a difference of interrupted versus inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. When you're going to Amazon, you're inbounding directly to what you want to buy and you're interrupting your experience and being inspired on social media. Yeah. And, you know, it's not even just direct user behavior when someone's like, how did you know I wanted to buy this plant? Maybe you've liked four or five of your friends on Instagram photos that feature a plant very similar to the one that you're getting in ad. So it's not the obvious stuff. There's data that's being collected in so many more ways <laughs> than most people think. And so when they're like, is my phone listening to me? It's like, no, all the actions you're doing on your phone are sending triggers yeah. to the various algorithms. To everything. Everything. Yeah. Well, so I think, you know, the social stores, though, you know, specifically for a lot of vendors, because uh, old vendors who may have been doing e-commerce for the last 10 years are still super hesitant about getting on the social because it's, I think it's a management thing. So what would you recommend to these businesses where you say like, hey, it's worth the investment because of X, Y, and Z? Sure. Well, I mean, we have case studies uh, for brands that were doing less than $10,000 a month in sales on their Shopify store. They already had the set it and forget it connection. They never optimized the shop. But we spent, you know, a couple of hours optimizing the shop and we saw more traffic over the weekend from launching the optimized shop from like on their website than they had seen in the previous 30 days combined. For another brand, you know, they have, you know, 30,000 followers. They were a brand that got $1,300 in sales within three weeks of launching it. Another client of ours, they were doing, you know, like $1,500 a month on their Shopify store. We had a $150 sale within 24 hours of launching their shop. What? And I like the intersection because everybody knows they need to do social media marketing, but Mm -hmm. it's like for some reason like that, step of buying on the social media platform is still kind of lost. It's not super popularized in the West. If you look in other marketplaces, buying on social media is second nature. And we can see that Meta is incentivizing store owners and creating these Meta shops. I'm seeing $1,000 to $3,000 credits being set up for ads so that you can drive attention to your shop. Mm -hmm. So while that consumer and user behavior in the West and in the United States isn't well adopted yet. It's so obviously coming and predictable because it's happening in so many other marketplaces around the world. Hey guys, it's Kasim here. And I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts is a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is, a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. 
That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. Now, one of the things we did talk about that was actually the most interesting to me was kind of the future of, of e-commerce oh, yeah. and the future of the platforms. Because a lot of people think like, you know, actually most people don't think about what's going to happen in five years, but we do because we're going to be around. But where do you think it's going? Like if you say like, okay, social stores are a thing, like people use them, people buy through them. And now you have meta developing some interesting things. Like where, where do you see the future? Well, I like looking at the future of e-commerce in two ways following the money of these big tech brands, where are they investing? Because wherever they're investing is going to shape how we interact and engage with our various phones and devices. And then two, looking back at e-commerce forward region. So if you look at how China and Japan and even Korea have been engaging with e-commerce for years, in the US, we are massively behind. <laughs> but with the advancement of TikTok, TikTok is just a recreated app that has been successful for years in China. And as I understand, everything that has been trending is following the same cycle of what was trending years ago in China. So in order to look future for five years from now, I look at where are people investing in their money today? Like Zuckerberg's company having over 10,000 full-time dedicated employees to Oculus. That's a significant investment. So of course, at our team, we have someone who's 25% of their job is invested in exploring opportunities within metaverse more brands. But then also looking back at what were China and other e-commerce brands in Asia doing five years ago that are now being prevalent so that we can anticipate moving forward. That's amazing. Now, why do you think we're so behind? <laughs> like everybody likes to think like, oh, we're so advanced, but like if you yeah. even like 5G, you know, adoption and, and other tech adoption, like we're actually not. <laughs> Oh, that's a loaded question. Why are we so far behind? I mean, I think there's just more pressing issues and mm -hmm. like our socialization hasn't forced us to be more global. I think how economies in the East have just massively grown in the United States, we've kind of rested on our laurels. Mm -hmm. And when there's forced innovation, there's faster adoption. I mean, if you just look at even just internet adoption in Africa, and there's different places after some massive continent. But there are many areas in Africa that just skipped the dial-up phase. They went straight to fiber optic internet. So they didn't have to go through the steps that we went through. And so I think seeing what these other locations in these other regions have been doing, we'll be able to make a few jumps now that they had suffered through. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it is just, as a country, we have been comfortable. Mm. No, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, everything has been nice. <laughs> so I was like, why would I change anything? Yeah. And I think that's a big hesitation or fear, even with digital marketing. Like, I think I wrote a whole article about like, here's the one reason why you haven't done digital marketing yet. And it is, you're scared. Yeah. It's new. New is different and difficult and you're not going to be comfortable and you might suck at it for a while. But you have to do it. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to be stuck in this hole of, or you were shut down during the pandemic. Ugh, yeah, there were hundreds of thousands of stores that had to get online or they would not have made it through. And so there was a quick jump into that type of adoption. And I think we've now stretched that comfort level where we'll start to see 
a mitigation of our difference of technology advancement, especially in the e-commerce space, compared to other countries abroad. That's super interesting. Well, I think you added just a huge component to the certification. I, I think and it wasn't. What's funny is about the cert because we, you know, we're always trying to to update. You know, this is our latest update, but we want to bring in the most current things. And it's like I didn't even like, even though I've done this for years, like that wasn't even a consideration until it was like I talked to you. I think on the last podcast, mm. I'm like, yeah, social stores. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> so when did when did you start? Just personally. You, you know, the development of these systems yeah. and, and using them for clients. It was, it was actually right before traffic and conversions last year. <laughs> so right around that time, we had clients that were looking to expand different opportunities. Oh, we want to do Walmart or we want to do expand more on Amazon or we want to do Pinterest marketing or whatever shiny object syndrome was on their way. And so while we may not have had the team members that were trained on advertising in those channels, the organic research was there where it was minimal financial investment on their side versus, oh, yeah, let's try this new advertising channel. So we took it upon ourselves and just hit successful case study after successful case study after successful case study, and then found ourselves in a party of one talking about the impact of optimizing your social shop. Hmm. Well, good job. <laughs> and if anybody wants to hear all this, the e-commerce cert, we're actually coming out with it late May, early June. So by the time this is coming out, it might be out. And your content's definitely going to be out because we spent <laughs> 10 hours a day shooting stuff. And yeah. so thank you so much for coming on. I think, you know, your methodologies and just your your vision for the future of e-commerce is, is huge. So thank you for that. And thank you for being a faculty member. Oh, absolutely. I had a blast and I'm really excited for when we get to update this content more and then talk about storefronts, metaverse, and oh, oh man, this is an ever-evolving area. And even, like I said, just last week, the adoption of user-generated content as accessible product images and videos for your social shop, that's brand new. So, you know, this is going to forever continue to evolve because Meta can see the opportunity and that's what I'm chasing. That's all. Well, yeah, you're chasing the trillion dollar company that's yeah. <laughs> pushing everything. I was like, oh, that's a safe bet. Where can people learn more about you and what you do? My company is mongoosemedia.us. And I'm happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. That's Lauren E. Petrulo, as in Elizabeth. Or, of course, using that same Lauren E. Petrulo on any socials that you have shops on. Are you competing with another Lauren? More Petrullo. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I was going to yes. say, like that E is, you emphasize that. <laughs> Petrullo uh, is my husband's name. And so when we got married and I was seeking out the domain, there is a medical doctor for monkeys in the United States. It's well published. Has Lauren Petrullo <laughs> on all of her social channels. So if you're listening to this, you beat <laughs> you beat the marketer that's yeah. advancing e-commerce for everyone. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. Everyone check out digitalmarketer.com for certain info and we'll be doing a promo. Mm. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 